there's something in, in my own life, in my own heart, that uh, I don't like it when people tell me what to do. And some of you know this. Some of you, even when we, we buy our IKEA shelves, and we're like, directions, right? And then we, we find ourselves two hours later with just all this stuff. Um, we're trying to figure out how it, how it works. Um, there are some warnings that we're given when we, we read packages that are just seem self-evident. I have a few examples uh, here. Do not allow children to play in the dishwasher. On a dishwasher uh, warning uh, label. There's a few children ones here. Remove child before folding from a baby stroller. That was, man, that saved us a lot of trouble. I'll tell you, we had kids. Not intended for highway use on a wheelbarrow. I can just see someone like in Kentucky just setting something up and going, and then my personal favorite is the last one. Do not iron while wearing a shirt. That's. <laughs> Honey! It's burning! Naturally, we like to make our own rules in life. And that can work to a degree. Um, however, if we're, if we're skiing, and there are some hazard signs that tells you to go no further, your, your desire to make your own rules will, will come up against a very strong opposition when it says, uh, you know, cliff, cliff face. That gravity's not going to care how you feel. Gravity's not going to care if, if it hurts your feelings. Uh, or that you'd like to follow your heart off the cliff. Uh, gravity's going to win every, every single time. When we purchase products, whether it's a cleaning product or something from Ikea, there, there's, all, there's always a few different things on the labels. There's the instructions of how to use something. So if you do it this way, it's going to work, and it's going to work the best, you know, the, the, the way it should. Uh, and then there's the, the warnings. If you use it this way, it's a, uh, we just bought some cheer. We, we were been starting to work in the dark since it's... The weather got better? I don't know. I think it's a question. <laughs> it seemed like it did. Um, so we bought some shears. And we, we weren't able to, we, we just had some old rusty ones. And, uh, you know, there, there's a certain way to use shears. You don't use them for sports because that could be dangerous. You use them with the blades out because that's what cuts better. So when we follow instructions and warnings, the, the tools that we're given uh, tend to work better. They work for longer and we, we, we won't hurt ourselves and, or others in that case. Um, so I'm always thankful for the, these kinds of sections. But then there's often other sections on warning labels. There's the, there's the instructions, there's the warnings, and then there's in case of emergency call, right? If ingested, Ipecac. I just wanted to say that word. Ipecac, I love that. Uh, which actually comes from the root of Ipecac, I believe. Anyway, um, they're, 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 those, those warnings, or those, those uh, in case of emergency, those come after. They've already hoped that you followed the instructions. They, they hope that you followed the warnings. But even if you didn't, there's still hope. There's still hope. It's not all over if you follow these in case of emergency words as well. So here's the thing. Although you and I might find it annoying at times to follow instructions and dislike being confined, the, often the inconvenience of obeying instructions or, or hitting a guardrail is minimal compared to the inconvenience and the damage we experience if we don't pay attention to it. Right? So the reason we, we want to talk about hazards and instructions and warnings this morning is because although we might be very careful to, to pay attention to warnings on packages like cleaners or, or the instructions on how to put together some IKEA uh, furniture, we often do not pay attention to instructions and warnings 
for our lives, to keep us spiritually and emotionally healthy. And many of us would say that the many of the regrets that you and I have in our lives have come along because they come along in our relationships and decisions that we've made, uh, maybe at, at work. Many of the regrets we have has come, have come about because we've ignored warning, we've ignored instruction, we've ignored or rejected hazard signs in our lives. And we find ourselves on the other side reaping the benefits of that, the damage of decisions that we've made that if we'd only listened, if we'd only paid attention, we would not have done, gone down that road. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because where we are, future regrets, future regrets can be avoided if we're willing to heed warning, if we're willing to accept instruction and place guardrails on our lives. Not all regrets. Because there's some regrets that we have that we have no power over. But many of the regrets that in our lives can be avoided if we're willing to heed warning, accept instruction, and place guardrails on our lives. Now here's the problem. You and I live in a culture that does not like guardrails. You and I live in a culture that likes to draw rules, even morality, with colored chalk. Right? So that when it rains, it's just, oh, where, where, where was that again? Or if we don't like where the line was, we can just erase it and we can move it over a little bit and open it up a little bit. That's the kind of society that we live in. See, we want to tear down walls, we want to tear down all the fences, let everyone loose, and then we're confused when we hit a moral problem because we don't know we don't have a thing. We, we have no, nowhere to stand on to say, oh, this should not happen, or this should not happen. Let's pull everyone back in because we've knocked all the fences down. G.K. Chesterton says this, he says, Don't ever take a fence down until you know the reason it was put up. It might be to hold you in, but it might very well be to be holding something out. So don't knock a fence down until you know the reason it was put up. Scripture would say that certain instruction, certain warning signs have been placed there for your blessing and the protection and, and to direct and protect you. To direct and protect you. So don't down, tear down the fence until you know why it was put up. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to read from verses 15 to 21. Paul is writing to the church in a town called Ephesus. We seem to pine in our lifetime, if you are a Christ follower. We seem to think that way back when things were bad. It was so much better back then. Think of everything we think that's immoral of our culture and our society and times it by ten. And you might get close to Ephesus. All offenses were knocked down. Sexuality was religious. It was religious to go and sleep with other people. It was a higher spirituality. There was no limit to how much you should eat, how much you should drink. Uh, I think I brought up the, the vomitorium before. Man, you just keep eating, keep eating, keep eating. And then a rich house would have a place called the vomitorium. Figure that out. Get rid of that and let's just get back to it. Let's just keep going. That's just part of what it means to live with no fences. So Paul was writing to a church in that kind of culture and they're going, hey Paul, we understand. Follow Jesus. Okay. Follow Jesus. What in the world does that look like in a society, in a culture with no fences? No fences around us spiritually. No fences around us uh, emotionally. Even physically. So how do we live that out? How, how in the world do we do that, Paul? In a, in a world where there is no black and white, there are just 50 shades of gray, on purpose, okay? How do we live that out? And Paul says this. I'm going to invite you to stand out of respect for God's word. This is 
out of Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 21. Look carefully then how you walk. Do not, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Jesus, we pray you would speak to us through these words that you would illuminate our hearts and minds. And, and this is important for this morning. Jesus, I pray that whatever you're going to ask of us at the end of this day, at the end of this series, we would say yes to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You guys can take a seat. So this is what Paul's saying here. First, if you want to protect yourselves from regret, if you want to protect yourselves from regret, if you want to save yourself from life's hazards, choose wisdom over whim. Choose wisdom over whim. Most great decisions are not made in the moment they are made ahead of time. Most great decisions are not made in the moment they are made ahead of time. Look carefully how you walk. We put the seatbelt on before the accident, not after the accident. Right? We add oil before the engine ceases. You don't pour it on top afterwards. It's a real mess, but this, that's not how it works. You deal with it beforehand, not after the problem. Be careful how you walk. Some translations, it says, be careful how you live. I like the be careful how you walk because it, it, it offers some great illustration. Um, some, of you, some of you guys know we have a dog named Wingo, a little Italian greyhound cross. Now, when we talked about getting a dog, the family was very excited. Super excited. There's a lot of excitement. Oh, yeah, there he is. I don't know what's on his nose. He didn't just sneeze, if that's what you're thinking. Uh, and there was some sort of craft going on. He got his nose in. Uh, we had, there was so much excitement. There was, oh, I'll pick up the poop. Oh, I'll take it for a walk. There's so many great things we're going to do. Now there's less excitement and it's just a lot more excitement. Um, if you go into our backyard, you'll have a very clear idea, a great illustration of what Paul means when he says, be careful where you walk. Okay? Anyone who has a small yard and a big dog knows. Be careful. Like, we have a porch, so when I go out and I don't want to go to the backyard, I take a survey, and then I make my way down the stairs. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Be careful where you walk. In life, navigating your path so that you don't step on landmines comes from mindfully and willfully making decisions to steer away from them. If your eye causes... Jesus wasn't asking for us all to be blind when he said, if your eye causes you to sin, pop it up, or your, or your arm causes you to come. What he's saying is make drastic decisions in your life to steer yourself clear of walking into those hazards. If habitual sin happens with you consistently at 1 a.m., in the basement, in the dark, on the computer, don't hang out at 1 a.m., in the dark, in the basement, on the computer. Put boundaries in your life to save you from walking down a path that spiritually and emotionally and physically is a hazard to you. And we make those decisions well ahead of time. 
See, what, what we often do is, is, well, we often forget the use of some of the reasons that, that we've been given law, we've been given rules. We, we know in, in culture, but often when we think of the, the things that God has said, this, this is a healthy way to live. I mean, if you read Deuteronomy and, and the commandments, every time Jesus gives, or God gives a commandment in the Old Testament, it's always followed with, so that you may live. So that you may have a life of blessing. It's not so that you will prove yourself. It's so that you will live. But often we get that mixed up and we don't know how to use the, the, the rules and the commandments of God to, to live healthy life. Anyone who's ever, I love it when a kid is learning how to ride a bike. And so you tell them, put a helmet on. But if they don't understand that the helmet is actually connected with their safety, they just think it's something that they put on because they're going to ride ride a bike, then you, you'll, you'll turn and then you'll look back and you'll see the, the helmet's like perched back here and, and it's not underneath their chin, it's like strapped around their neck, like they're in danger before they've even got on the bike, right? So we'll quickly correct that because we know that it's meant for their protection, that being safe physically comes from strategically gearing up and, and being aware of the dangers that are going on around us so we can protect ourselves from them. But for some reason, we often don't take those same precautions for our emotional and our spiritual lives. And the way we do that, Paul thinks it's pretty simple. The way we, the way we take those precautions, he says in verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So, so the way we make sure we walk well so that we protect ourselves from regret and, and steer clear of many of life hazards is to understand that wisdom is God's will over our whim. Wisdom is, is God's will over our whim. Now, if you read this at first, it's almost like Paul, he's almost like a teacher trying to teach algebra and going like, just, just know it. Know the algebra. You can do it. It's not what he's doing. He's like, understand, understand. It's not what he's doing. And then he's sitting as a student going, okay, but... That's not what he's doing. It might, it might come like, just, just know God, just do God's will. Like that's some easy thing. That's not what he's saying. He's saying accept God's will. What he's implying, the Greek implies this, it, it's, not, it's not that they're ignorant of what God, what God wants, but that they, they need to consider what they already know to be true. And I've said this to you before. Many people have walked into my office and I just want to know God's will in my life. I'm like, you want more? You want more than what's here? Because there's a lot to work on here in your life when it comes to how we live out in relationships, financially, spiritually, sexually. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of God's will is right here. Once you got that down, okay, then maybe we, you go. Know, I don't want anymore. I'm good. I got enough to to work on and and, and sharpen. So what Paul's saying is, you, you, you don't need to be told this stuff. This is element. You know where you should not be taking your body. You know where you should not be taking your heart and your mind. Just make the adult decision of living that out. Of not pretending God didn't say it. Of not pushing up against the lines. See, that's what we like to do. I, that's, what I, that's what I like to do. If you like to do it, you can glean from this. What I tend to do when I find out what the rule is, I say, oh, how far close that line can I get? That's the line. I go, well, is, it, is, that, is that okay? And everyone who's ever driven kids around in a van knows that. We, we, we had potty talk going on in the car. This is a couple years back. We're driving some, some friends, uh, children around too. This little girl named Summer in a car seat in the back of the minivan. And it was all farts and poop. And I said, I said, 
Speaking of it, not okay. And I said, I said, okay, no more potty talk. And it was silent for like 10 seconds. And I think she was probably five. And her big brown eyes, I just see her in my rearview mirror. She goes, toilet? <laughs> like, how is that? How close can I get to? It's kind of cute. But it's not so cute when, when adults play this game in our relationships, in our spirituality, in our physical health, our marital health, by testing how close can we get to that line before it causes poison to be poured into my life. That's why the guardrails on highways, it's not like ditch guardrail. Here's the ditch, and the guardrail is well in from where that ditch is. Well in from where the danger is. That's how we are meant to put on, put guardrails in our lives. To keep us far from the danger. To set a boundary to keep you far from that which will suck life from you. That's why God says in Proverbs 4.23, Keep your heart with all vigilance. Fight to protect your heart. It's like this idea of like putting guards around your heart. Of Military around your heart, guard it. Do not let just anything in. For from it flow the springs of life. That's an image we might not really capture so easily now without some explanation. You know what that means? That, that out of your heart flows the springs of life. If any, some of you have been to Israel or some, of, some maybe some ancient areas where um, they used to have to chisel out cisterns to hold water for their community. And so for those of you who've been to Masada, I had a shot actually of uh, when my wife and I were, were in Masada. My wife was taking this shot from the bottom of the cistern, so that whole thing would fill up with water. And the community would use that water. Now, in Masada, you're not running down the hill a lot to, to go and get water. What you have up there is what you have. So uh, for those of you who don't know, Masada is on, on top of a, of, a, of a plain, and well, especially when they were being attacked by the Romans, they had nowhere to go. So all the water there is what they had. If that water got tainted, that was a big problem for the community. Right? Guard your heart. The same way you would guard fresh water, the same way you would, you would guard life-giving water, protect your heart, because it will protect you from poison, and it will protect those around you from poison. In the same way, guard your heart. You will never hear someone, I've never heard someone, Come into my office and go, Pastor, I've got to talk to you. You know, I regret putting these guardrails on them. I regret the way I've, I've protected myself from harm. I regret the fact that I haven't gone down this road or this road. But I've had many people sit in my office and go, You know what? I did not see that coming. I did not have any protective rails in my life. I kept getting closer and closer to a line that I knew God had drawn, and I thought, Not me. I'm going to be an exception to the rule. I'm going to close you right after that, and no problem. And soon, that chalk line got a little blurry. The rain came, and they made their way across the line, and they lived to regret it. And I will hear people say that over and over. So we're, we're in danger in our age of thinking that the, the ability to do something means that it's a good thing to do. Because we can do it, it must mean freedom. If I can, if I, if... If I'm allowed to do this, it's got to mean that it's going to give me life. 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul writes this. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. For many of us, we'll find ourselves slowly, it used to be something that we were in control of, and then slowly, as we look back, we go, oh, somewhere there was a shift. 
I'm no longer in control, it's controlling me. And when it calls for me, I go. Later in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, he repeats it. He says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Paul says, be careful. Your freedom can be used to disguise sin. And it can damage you, and it can damage others. So choose wisdom, and wisdom is God's will over our whim. And then Paul says this. He says, I, I just, it gets right down to a specific here in verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. If you want to protect yourselves from regret and steer clear of many of life's hazards, we need to understand this as well. Wisdom is practical. Wisdom is practical. We tend to think of wisdom as some old guy sitting on pillows that people are coming up and just asking all these questions like Solomon the Wise. But practical wisdom is simply wisdom that chooses a healthy path and chooses it ahead of time. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It doesn't ignore the signs. It doesn't, doesn't choose whim over wisdom. And here Paul pulls out an example. Now in the past, throughout Paul's writings, he talks about the hazards of, of no guardrails of sexuality, of, uh, of finances, of, of uh, relational hazards in, in other areas. And here he speaks of drunkenness because for many that's a gray area. Right? Still today, for many of us. It's a gray area. Paul says it's important because drunkenness leads to debauchery. You know, debauchery. It's the word we use all the time, right? Yeah, you don't want to be debauched. I think that guy's debauched. Not a word we use anymore. This is what debauchery means. It means extreme indulgence that results in a loss of control. Extreme indulgence that leads to a loss of control. So, is it a sin to drink? Paul doesn't say that. Jesus drank, Paul drank. Paul encouraged others to have a sip of wine. Doesn't say that. But drunkenness that is characterized by a loss of control, overindulgence, is not the kind of life that we as Christ followers are called to walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Debauchery, drunkenness is the opposite of what we are called to be. And if, if you're like me, the, the line is that immediately... If for you and I, is what it said, and say if you're like me, just to clarify, like, I think Brad said he's a drunk. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> if for you and I, one drink, one drink of beer is blurred into five or six pints of beer, then maybe the line is clearly drawn at zero with a strong fence in the ground. That guardrail needs to be firmly planted. And for some, that's going to be difficult. Because of where you work. Because of how business is done. It's going to hurt relationships. It's going to do some damage. And I wonder if Paul hits on this specific topic because he knows, uh, he knows that a habit here, a, a disintegration of, of the hazard signs in this area will be a disintegration. Like, I've never had people go, you know what, I really build the strongest relationships and the most healthy relationships after a couple of pints. I've never heard that before. That's where I do my best work. That's not, that's not a time for sober judgment or, or a great building up of relationship or a great time to evangelize. Like, no one does their best work at that point. I remember being in high school and, and, and on tour with the, with the band. It's a band guy. And uh, I remember the night before, we had all been down at uh, 
down and we were in Kelowna at the, at the beach. Late night, we all snuck out, been drinking. And the next day, someone approaches me on the bus as we're driving in. Like, so you're a Christian? Can you tell me all about that? Now's not a good time. I just, I just, I just, I've always looked back at that and pictured God on his own going, no. We don't do our best work there when we've lost control. So for some of us, that line needs to be drawn before one. Right? And, and in other areas of our lives, where others, even other Christians, are, are able to move forward, we need to draw a strong line in the sand and put up some strong fences. I've seen, you know, we, we don't do our great work, I've seen a lot of mugshots of politicians and movie stars and sadly even pastors that show our best work is not done when we've had a few and when hazard signs have been ignored. Now I know because we're removed by, by 2,000 years and by geography and by language and by, by culture, it's probably hard to believe, but there was a time in world history where people drank too much. And they made bad decisions when they were drunk, and sometimes those decisions were even fatal. We are not different. Our culture is not different, right? The same temptations of, of removing fences around sexuality, drunkenness, morality, are yours and mine. He uses this one and this instance as an example, but there are many others, and they still have very serious Consequences, And when you and I decide that we are not going to be careful where and how we walk, where and how to live, we are likely to find ourselves in a ditch, reminded too late of why certain warnings and certain fences were built in the first place. That's what this series is going to be about. We're going to look at different areas in our life, and we're going to... Do some serious work with the Spirit of God and with Jesus. Say, to follow Jesus means that I need to put some very strong guardrails up in this area. So as we get near the end here, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul writes, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, addressing one another. Look at the, the result of that option. Addressing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making yeah melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the source. Out of reverence for all Christ has done. All we celebrated last week. It's out of reverence for Him and the life we want in the spirits that we will put in the spirit that we will put up strong guardrails. So it happens very often, most often, and Paul, I think, is making an argument for it here, is when we put up very careful guidelines in our lives and protect ourselves from all sorts of trouble, we're going this way or that way, or that way instead of that way, is that our lives go from being inward-focused to outward-focused. All the worry about how we're perceived, all the worry about should I make this decision or not, well, is it, is it a chalk line or is it firmly, do I need to have the conversation about whether I do this? No, because I put up firm guardrails here. Once we've taken care of that in our lives, our ability to love others, to love God, and to live freely in the Spirit is open wide. It's, it's a beautiful option to be able to feed into other people's lives and have the Spirit feed into our life when we put these guardrails in place out of reverence for Jesus Christ. 
to be able to serve others more fully. Because serving others, encouraging others, and, and giving thanks has to come from a secure place that can only be found in living wisely and drawing those lines. Now, as I conclude here, um, evangelical Christians all over the world mourned just over a month ago when Billy Graham passed away. But many evangelicals, myself included, also there was a, this sense of joy. Why? Because he made it. Because at 99, and the pressures of being in the public eye, the pressures of people wanting, wanting him to fall, wanting him to make a mistake so that they could point at Christians, point at the, the moral high ground. When we've seen so many that have not, why did Billy Graham make it? Because boy, he put up guardrails in his life. So much so that it's called the Billy Graham Rule. Some of you have probably heard of it. The Billy Graham Rule was this. Do not spend any alone time with anyone of the opposite sex unless they're your spouse. I'm not getting on an elevator with them. I'm not walking down an escalator with them. If it's just us, we're, we're, we're never having a meeting, just the two of us. Never, ever, ever. And he was ridiculed. And some politicians are still ridiculed. Pence, for having the same kind of uh, guidelines in his life. But he made it through the end because he put very strict guardrails in his life. And do you not think people were, were putting women in his way? to make sure he would make a mistake so that they could point out and, and, and de dethrone him, as some of them said, and the damage he was doing to society. It's great to stand on this side of the legacy of, of Billy Graham. And see, what a great example of what it was to walk with those kinds of guardrails. So for you and I, for you and I, the question is, is simple, but the response could mean real life change and adjustment. Because no one is going to, no one in our culture is going to cheer you on. Oh, you got really strong guardrails around your drinking? Yeah, awesome. Really strong guardrails around sexuality? You have a really strong biblical sexual ethic? Right on, man. No one's, no one's going to give you that. Why are we doing it for reverence to Christ? Because we belong to Him. And so the guardrails are to protect our walk with Him, to, to encourage it, to grow our walk with him. So throughout this month, throughout this series, this morning, we need to ask some very serious questions. Where have we been ignoring boundary lines? Where have we been just walking past the signs and say, do not walk any further. This is a dangerous area. Going out of bounds, moving towards hazards. And will you allow, will you allow today, will you allow this week the holy Spirit of God to rule you more than your wind. To rule you more than the influence of those on the other side of the rail. To say, come on, erase the chalk. This is where freedom is. Will you ask those questions for future health, for fewer regrets, for your safety, for the safety and the health of those around you? When it comes to our marriages, when it comes to our relations, Relationships, when it comes to where we allow our thought life to go, where we spend our time on the internet, what we do with our finances, what we do with our work ethic and our business ethic. Will you allow the Spirit to speak to you today and through this week and, and decide, even today, allow the Spirit to say, this might be an area, and it'll be different for all of us, this might be an area where you need to put some serious 
guardrails are for the sake of your family, your kids, your own heart and mind, and maybe physically, but definitely spiritually and emotionally. So stay with us through this series as we explore this topic more and more into these different areas for health, for, for bearings, for direction and protection. And this, I, I really want you to pay attention to this. As I said at the beginning, there's instructions, there's warnings. But even after we've messed up with the warnings, there is call for help. And we will get to that as well. I don't care what regrets you've walked in with this morning, what regrets maybe will, will surface over the next few weeks. There is forgiveness at the cross. There is hope and a beautiful future for you. And there is grace and there is mercy for you. So please know that as we walk. It's, it's wonderful to be able to come to a God with all our garbage, knowing that we're already accepted. Isn't that great? We don't have to come to convince. He's convinced. He made the move. It's so wonderful to walk into a time of, of confession and asking forgiveness, knowing 100% He's going to say yes and offer us that forgiveness. Let's pray. God of grace, as we step into this, this series, and maybe even already, uh, I, I pray that your spirit will be doing a work in me, be doing a work in this church community. God, it, it breaks my heart the amount of times that I have seen people who have knocked down protective fences in their marriages, in their relationships, at work, in what they put into their bodies. Thinking that, that, that they could brush up against the line or, or kick the fence down and think that they were going to be an exception to the rule. And who now walk in my office or, or, or sit at home or, or sit with a, a, a family that is broken. And God, it's my desire for, for everyone sitting in this room right now that that, that would not be in, in the future for them. That Holy Spirit, as you need to speak to us, I pray you would find soft hearts. I pray that you would find listening ears. And in those areas in our lives, wherever they might be, that we would place down very strong, rail strong fences, that we would read the hazard signs. And out of reverence for you, and out of a, a hope for a future with, with less regret, we would obey. That's going to be a different story for each of us over these next weeks. But Holy Spirit, we invite you now, each of us, to speak to us just as we are, just as we've come here this morning. We pray this in Jesus.